Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everyone, to Chillin' in the State House, your favorite award winning politics and state government podcast here in Kansas. I'm Jason Alatid, and I am here joined by John Hanna of the Associated Press. Hello, Jason. How's it going? Going pretty good. It's a Friday evening. Well, not evening quite yet. We would not be here. I hope we're not here come evening. Uh, but this is podcast number 89. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my own purposes, I'm going to say it's 1989 and Taylor's version, and uh, maybe Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift can listen. And yes. bump up our numbers, we, we can start introducing Swifties to Kansas politics. Yes, yes. Um, I don't, I, you know, they, they have been introduced to NFL football, so... Um, yeah, yeah, they're starting to learn that, you know, you can catch the ball and run with it yes but so we need to get them interested in the state house maybe we can have taylor swift come by and i don't know sing the national anthem or i don't even think we could get the chiefs to come when their uh super bowl trophy came here yeah well we'll we'll see we'll see if we can lure taylor swift to the uh, burg of topeka yeah if not it'll just be a cruel summer here yes but we we are going to talk about whether uh, voters can shake it off and if yes. lawmakers can shake it off when they uh, have pay raises come up for debate. Yes. Well, we don't even know that they actually will have pay raises come up for debate, given the method by which they could get a pay raise. Um, they set up a legislative compensation commission to review legislative pay and make a proposal. Uh, That proposal has been made, and we'll get to that in a second. But the way it works is now that the commission has approved a plan, it goes to the legislature. The legislature has the first 30 days of its session to reject this plan, or else it takes effect. And that 30-day deadline is February the 7th. And to reject it, we would need both chambers to pass a uh, concurrent resolution, which first would mean that a resolution has to be brought up for a vote. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't know whether they would, you know, run it through committee or put it directly to the floor. Of course, you would have to have legislative leaders kind of assent to consider the idea. And that will probably depend on whether or how much pressure they get to reject this proposal, which is a 93% pay increase. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, in some ways, leadership could be seen as protecting members from themselves or at least absorbing the criticism 
of people who don't like this pay increase plan. Sure. Uh, so that way the members can still tell their constituents, I didn't support this pay raise, so don't vote me out of office. But I would think voters would be smart enough to understand that if 90 legislators are out in their district saying they didn't, you know, support this, if 90 House members and 23 senators all make those public statements, I I would think your average voter is going to say, well, hey, wait a minute. (laughs) If you all opposed it so much, why didn't, why did it stick around? Yeah, now, uh. If you are wondering uh, why, what what exactly the numbers are that we are talking about, uh, well, let's it, let's break them down, it, Jason, it, it, because they're a little bit confusing, and it depends a little bit on what you include and what you don't include. Uh, I mean, the numbers I went with in my story were base salary. And even base salary isn't necessarily an easy thing to use because right. it depends a little bit on uh, the the cost of living adjustments to some of the numbers. Uh, well, let's let's break it down. Right now, the current total compensation is roughly thirty thousand dollars. That is a salary of eighty eight dollars and sixty six cents for ninety days. If session lasts 90 days, that's uh, just shy of $8,000. In addition, there is an out-of-session allowance, um, and that is, I think it's about $354 for every two weeks over the course of 40 weeks. So there's roughly like $7,000, I think. It's almost $7,100. And then, so that's about roughly $15,000. But then there's also what's known as a per diem. It's a daily expense payment when they're in session. It was, I think, $155. It's it's tied to a federal figure that the federal government uses in reimbursing its employees. It goes to $166 a day now. So that would be almost $15,000 for a 90-day session. So when you add those three things together, that's just about $30,000. Now, if you're a legislative leader, the House Speaker, the Senate President, majority leader, minority leader, budget chair, you get an extra stipend for the extra responsibility. And so, for example, the House Speaker and the Senate President are currently getting uh, $44,000 roughly. Now, this proposal would create a $43,000 base salary um, and allocate it throughout the year you would get it throughout the year, but you get this $43,000. That would replace the in-session salary and the out-of-session allowance. They would also get the per diem expense payment covering their daily expenses, renting an apartment or a hotel room, you know, meals, uh, you know, whatever incidental expenses they have for being here. So the total for a rank-and-file legislator would be almost $58,000. That would be an increase of almost $28,000. That's a 93% increase. Uh, if And the increase percentage increase for uh, legislative leaders would be about that 
size. And if you are the Senate president or House speaker, you would receiving be receiving total compensation of more than $85,000. Um, in looking at numbers from the National Conference uh, on State Legislatures, Kansas would be paying, it looks like, it's a little hard to compare because every state is a little bit different, but Kansas would certainly be in the top half of what it pays its its legislature. Uh, we'd be, the, the state, they would be doing better than their counterparts in Iowa and Missouri. They would be roughly on par with Oklahoma, but also Wisconsin and Minnesota. They'd actually be getting paid better, it looks like, than lawmakers in Texas or Florida or New Jersey. So, um, so it would be quite a it, it would be quite a change. Um, and as you know, the argument is, and, and, and this criticism has been there for years and years and years, that the pay is not good enough, uh, that it is actually a financial hardship to serve in the legislature, which a lot of members say they find that out once they, they get into the legislature. And so the idea is to kind of catch them up with, you know, the growth in wages over the last 15 years or so. They have not increased while expense payments have gone up um, because they're tied to this federal number. Their salary and their out-of-session allowance have remained stagnant since 2009. And so what was that high number you said for a rank-and-file legislator, somebody who's not in leadership? That it would go to fifty-eight thousand dollars almost, and, and so there is another number floating around out there, uh, the kind of described as base salary. That's, That's forty-three thousand. So what is in that fifty-eight that is not in the forty-three? What it is the per diem expense payment, the fifteen thousand dollars to cover their expenses during the session, and you know there's an argument whether that's actually pay or not, it's an expense reimbursement. Most states have uh, a system where they have a salary and then a per diem, and that number is usually all over the map. Um, What's interesting is New Mexico doesn't pay its legislators any salary. And they, but they make up to two hundred and two dollars a day. It based, it's based on whether it's January, February, or March um, uh, for expenses. You know, New Hampshire has a per diem, but it play, pays like a hundred dollars per session. That's kind of the low end. If you look at the high end, the full time legislatures, New York pays the most. It's one hundred and forty two thousand dollars a year. They the, at the beginning of this year they got a thirty two thousand dollar pay raise and i've stunned you (laughs) you're just contemplating the idea of a new york legislator making one hundred and forty two thousand dollars a year well i was gonna say that i I was sitting in one of the compensation commission's meetings uh earlier on and i think the argument was essentially for for why not to include uh those expenses essentially that in that salary figure would be if you are a business owner and you send your employees on a trip, you are going to be expected to pay for their housing, their mileage, their meals. So why should it be any different when the employer is the state government? 
Well, yeah. arguably, that that's a good argument. The issue, the issue I get into is we just, you know, whatever number you choose, you have to make sure you're um, comparing the right basket of stuff to the right basket of stuff. The forty three thousand dollars is comparable to roughly $15,000. Now, I mean, you get the daily per diem if you are here uh, as a legislator. And, I mean, you know, you sign a form of voucher and you get it. They don't go over your expenses and say, well, really, that that hotel room is only costing you $75 a day. So, so, So you can get a cheaper hotel room. You can get cheaper meals. Uh, I guess most employers probably aren't expecting to send their employees on a three-month-long business trip with all meals yeah, paid for. Well, and and I mean, let's let's also remember that uh, some of the meals you will have as a legislator will be lobbyists provided because they want Chick-fil-A boxes for a working lunch at a committee meeting or, you know, a a nighttime reception, the county treasurer, possibly with some uh, alcoholic beverages and some cigars. Yes. Uh, 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 You know, the automobile, I mean, pick a, pick a group or a company and chances are good that uh, they will have some sort of reception to mingle with legislators and talk up. I, I remember years ago when I was uh, writing about lobbying and the lobbying culture here, I remember talking to a Bankers Association lobbyist, and he basically laughed and said, yeah, because we're the bankers, we're expe- expected to give them a steak dinner because otherwise they think we were chintzy. You know, because we're bankers, we're supposed to have money, right? As opposed to, you know, if you're if you're lobbying for uh, the Sisters of Charity, nobody expects you to, you know, you, they they would think it's nice if you if you gave somebody a, a mint or something. It's it's, you know, it, there there are expectations. I mean, um, and of course, if you're in leadership, you get more attention. Uh, and so regardless of the numbers used, uh, lawmaker, it's a big pay increase. It, it is. And legislators might not have to end up voting on it. Right, exactly. And they, they did. I, I think that the feeling was they set this up so they would be insulated. Because if you if you do leave it to legislators, they, they're going to have a very hard time voting directly for a pay increase. And history shows that uh, – well, and, and yeah, it's a very interesting history. Uh, when Kansas became a state, the state constitution actually set the rate of pay. It was $3 a day, and after their first session, it was capped at $150 total, plus 15 cents a mile for the horse ride in. Um, and that was the rate of pay for nearly 90 years. Uh, it, they they uh, put five separate constitutional amendments on the ballot, uh, and they were all rejected until 1948 when they went up to the princely sum of $12 a day. Um, And, you know, of course, at that point in 1948, they were only meeting once every other year. Um, And then finally in 1962, they amended the Constitution to say that pay will be set by law. There was a little modification in language later so that it made room for a compensation commission. 
So yeah, there's a history of a struggle to get more pay, and and the argument is is that if you know it's this balance the commission member said, you want to pay enough so that it's not all rich people and retired people, um, people, so that only small a certain subset of people can afford to be in the legislature. On the other hand, Clark Schultz, a former state rep. Uh, worked at the insurance department said you don't want a hundred thousand dollar a year salary because then people make this the legislature their only job there's this idea that you want it to be what they call a citizen legislature people with professions and ties back home so they don't they don't get out of touch you know it's sort of an an anti-congress sort of vibe you know, there there's much more populous states, California, Illinois, New York, Pennsylvania, uh, where the legislature is basically, it, it is full-time. It's a full-time job. And then most legislators kind of fall into a hybrid model, um, not quite part-time and not quite full-time. I mean, here in Topeka, there are certain senators and representatives who are at several community events, uh, political events, they're out and about. And then there are others who I've, I still haven't talked to after being on the job for two years. Well, and, and, and that's the thing, you know, there is, you're never quite off even when as a legislator, if you're out of session, I mean, you, even if a legislator is back in the home community, there are people who are going to call you or run into you and talk to you about issues or their problems. And yeah, you're expected to show up at, 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 you know, like the local chamber of commerce, you're supposed to give eggs and issues breakfasts and, and, and stuff like that. And it's, you know, it's like, if you're, um, if you're a television anchor, for example, or an actor of local note, um, when you leave your house, you are basically always on, you know, as they say, um, you know, you, you, you have to be a nice, you have to be a nice person or people start to chatter about you behind, you know, oh, I ran into that guy and he, he was kind of a jerk, you know, and that kind of spread. So, you know, there's always this sense of you're on the job and performing. And, and I, you know, I have heard legislators talk about how people feel free to call them, email them, you know, all days, all hours of the day, that sort of thing. So, you know, the, the question is whether it really is a part-time job. And I, I think the notion over the years, um, especially when you're thinking of something like the 1940s or the 1950s, uh, you know, the notion of what a legislator does in terms of constituent services and oversight of state government has, has kind of grown. And, you know, there is, there is sometimes a frustration on the part of legislators about you know, not being able to give state agencies enough oversight because after the session is out. Now, uh, this the commission is taking on the role of setting the pay. Uh, yeah. To 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 uh, squeeze in some Taylor Swift references here, it's uh, he's gone to it, his yeah. phone. He's yeah, googling it, because I'm not as big of a Swifty as my wife is. Uh, I, I'm a very little 
Swifty. Uh, but but the lawmakers said, uh, you know, don't blame me. They didn't want the bad blood. Uh, they want to make the compensation commission the anti-hero. And they gave them a blank space, a blank check, essentially, to determine how much legislators will get paid. Well, and and most of what the commission did, it had four, basically had four meetings. Um, and basically what they did was they studied a lot of economic data about rising, rises, increases in wages in the private sector and looking at how other states did it and, you know, trends and stuff like and that. And a lot of look at pensions. Uh, they, they had to do a structure different for how you get the percentage of your pay during that first month of session is going to be comparatively less. And they did that in order to decrease the benefit of the pay raise in terms of the public pensions. Well, and, and there is some history to that in the late 1980s, if I'm remembering correctly, it was 1988. They, they rewrote the, pension laws for themselves and they uh, they really made that an attractive alternative now of course if you do the full full deal on the pension you're contributing at that rate but and it was uh, I mean uh, a lot there was a lot of anger I mean, it was derided as the great pension grab and people, you know, outraged editorials across the state, you know, look at these greedy legislators, you know, this is terrible. So, and then in the mid, mid 1990s, mid to late 1990s, they had a legislative compensation commission. They didn't have it, the proposal taking uh, effect automatically, and so the legislature was set up to vote on it, and that was, if I'm remembering, somewhere 45 48% increase. And as soon as the headlines commission proposes whatever the number was, it, it was effectively dead in the legislature because nobody, nobody wanted to touch it. And that kind of illustrates, you know, the, the issue that's been that, – that's been – uh, frustrating for people, and we we should we should be clear of two things. First of all, these pay raises would start in 2025, which is after the start of the next term for legislators. And we should also note that the bill that created the commission also boosted the pay of judges and executive branch officials. So, starting in 2025, the governor's salary is going to jump about 57 percent. I think it's going to be $174,000. The attorney general's goes up about 70 percent, and other statewide elected officials, treasurer, secretary of state, uh, insurance commissioner, they get an 87 percent increase because they're going from below 90 to about 161,000. And John, I don't have a sense of if there will be tons of outrage on this or if it will be an election an election season issue or not. But lawmakers could, come January, decide that they don't like some aspect of this and send it back to the commission, essentially, and the commission could try again. Yeah. Uh, so if the, if the total amount 
is deemed too high, they, they could reduce it. If people don't like how much leadership is getting paid, they could change that. Uh, but, but John, the, one thing that struck me about the first time I walked into that commission meeting is the com- the composition of the compensation commission. Well, I mean, all white men, first of all. Um, second of all, eight of the nine were former legislators. And the ninth, I believe, is a restaurateur who is a federal restaurant lobbyist. Okay. And and so it, it was – I mean it was fairly bipartisan, both Republicans and Democrats. Yeah, the, the, the membership was appointed by leaders, Republican and Democratic leaders in the legislature as well as the governor. Uh, so they were the ones who chose who was on the commission. And I, I guess if you were looking at legislative pay as a reason – or, or as a cause of a lack of diversity in the legislature. Uh, maybe the commission is a prime example of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, there are legislators and have been legislators of color and, and certainly prominent female legislators. Um, and, and so, you know, there was one comment from a, a person uh, from Johnson County who supported the proposal who made a suggestion that they ought to look at, you know, a little more diversity in the composition of the commission. And I, I don't know if I missed any discussion on maternity leave policies, but we now have two members of the legislature who are young mothers and may have to miss time. I mean, there was one who missed a lot of time last session, and maybe there could be a way to uh, allow those constituents to still have a representative the way that uh, when a different representative went away on military duty, uh, there was somebody who could step in. Well, and, and of course it always raises the question, you know, this is one of the issues with both with Congress and, and with legislatures. Um, if your healthcare, you know, if the healthcare program you have is better than the one that, you know, your constituents have, or a lot of your constituents have, or you get more maternity leave than, you know, the United States is um, among industrialized nations pretty is at pretty much near the at or near the bottom of what in terms of family leave and, and maternity leave, that sort of thing. So, you know, if you're getting better, people kind of resent it if your elected officials are getting better benefits or benefits at least that are seen as pretty much out of line with what ordinary people can get. Uh, and, and there was one other piece that the commission discussed but didn't include, which would have been uh, finding a way for people who represent more rural areas and have to drive more to go to more towns, or perhaps even senators who are presumably representing three times as many school districts, three times as many city councils or county commissions, uh, finding a way to better. Right. The bigger, you know, Montana, yeah. I guess, has a system where the, the mileage rates or the expense reimbursements are, are much different if your district is much larger physically. And, and, you know, on the one hand, there are some very compact districts in Johnson County in the Wichita area. And then, you know, you get in Western Kansas and there, I mean, 
there are some districts that are pretty large. And so the just putting in the traveling and is, and you're right, going to a lot of town hall meetings and, and stuff like that. I mean, this issue also comes up with obviously members of Congress. Um, you know, Jerry Moran was noted, and, and I think Roger Marshall, too, has tried to Pat, – Pat Roberts, former Senator Pat Roberts, uh, would come back and do tours, but, but Jerry Moran was noted for getting to pretty much every – getting to every county in his district. He made a point of that, and I think, I think Roger Marshall is trying that as well, and, and so that's, you know, that's a lot of work. Even more if you're doing the driving yourself. Yeah. Um, well, John, if they want to, I mean, if people want to read more about this after listening to us talk about it, uh, where they can, where can they read your work? Well, my work is at apnews.com backslash author backslash John Hanna with a uh, underscore there, I think. And uh, I can't remember whether it's a dash. I, I think it's John hyphen Hannah. Yes, it's a hyphen. It's not an underscore. Sorry, folks. I'm on X uh, at APJD Hannah. And Jason, if they want to read your work, where can they go? Mine is at www.cjonline.com. And I am on X at Jason underscore Alatid. And I apologize if you are tired of all the Taylor Swift references. Uh, you you just want to listen to your I'm nice sure Kansas politics a, podcast and you and you can't I'm escape sure Taylor Swift and then who, turn on the Chiefs game and can't escape Taylor Swift. You know, I mean, Taylor Swift is these days is ubiquitous, I think is the word you'd use. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, her concert film's like three hours long. Yeah, I think I'll be going to it this weekend. Yeah. Yep, so your uh, wife is a real big Swifty then. She is. I mean, we, we were listening to it on our b- drive back from the K-State Texas Tech you know, game and but but eventually Taylor Swift music was starting to uh, put me to sleep while driving so I had to change it to something Oh, else. I can't believe that Taylor Swift music would put anybody to sleep, Jason. I, I enjoy it just after, you it's know. Really, it's really 3 hours of driving through it, West it, Texas. It's It is really interesting talking to people who really are really big fans and think that Taylor Swift is. Uh, I had one person assert that she's one of the best songwriters uh, there around, and and I made the point that Bob Dylan and Dolly Parton are still alive, kind of two very disparate writing styles there, and, and this person said, yes, and I would put her in the same class. So, you know, it's, it's interesting... Um, what she does for the economy when she shows up to do a, a concert, the local economy, it kind of gets a, a boost. And Travis Kelsey is a lot more of his jerseys are selling now. And of course, my company is hiring a Taylor Swift beat reporter. Yeah, and I was, think a Beyonce reporter. Yes. Uh, we, we are also hiring a second state house reporter. Uh, no news yet to share, though. Hopefully soon. Yes. Well, and there was a lot of discussion in journalism circles about all that. But, you know, part of I, I think if I'm remembering the rationale was part of the idea was to have somebody look at things like culture and economy and stuff 
and touch on that because they these two figures are so big right now in terms of their their prominence in the music industry and culture. Yeah. And uh, big in prominence in the journalism industry and KS Ledge. This is John Hanna and Jason Alatid here. And please come back next time and listen to back podcasts. Yes, yes. Listen to back podcasts. Have a good weekend, y'all. All right. Thanks. gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left listen to where secrets go to die the disappearance of Derek Hennigan from the Detroit Free Press a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula available on Apple Spotify Freep.com or wherever you get your podcasts